Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You are listening to the Failed State Update. I am your host, Lenny Flatley. I am recording this live in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. This is the first episode of the Failed State Update. And the premise of the whole enterprise is that if the world's not ending, it sure as hell feels like something's ending. And... Let's have some conversations with people and, you know, just try to get a sense of what's what's happening all around us. So for the first episode, we are going to talk to a couple militia leaders here in Pennsylvania. I just thought it was appropriate in light of all the protests that are scheduled to happen in a few days, largely through right wing and gun groups people protesting the the quarantines i wanted to get a hold of a real you know a couple couple militia guys and ask them what's going on what are they thinking so the whole premise of this show is conversations and communications you know i'm a pretty uh, committed leftist but i don't think that that means we can't talk to people and can't hear their stories and try to understand where they're coming from before we travel to rural Pennsylvania, let's talk to my buddy J.G. Michael, who is uh, known for his podcast, Parallax Views, and is also a pretty good guy to run ideas off of. Also, let me know in advance. Uh, should I should I keep the... Uh, what, so do you want... Your, is your podcast clean or explicit? Which one is it? I guess it's explicit. Yeah, I mean, say whatever the... You want? Okay, fair. Some people get weird about that, so. Oh yeah, sure. Well, thank you, Joseph, for having me on the Field State Update. I want to thank you first and foremost. Uh, I'm always glad to speak with you. I've had you on the podcast Parallax Views a few times, and Parallax Views is quickly becoming the sort of current events, pop culture, sort of like leftist. St- media space podcast that loves to have an adversarial relationship with its listeners. So if I do a podcast with someone you agree with, I will probably end up doing a podcast with someone you disagree with later. So I'm a bit all over the place and uh, I sort of like to challenge my listenership a lot. Previous guests include... Gerald Posner, so if you have any conspiracy fans out there, I think I've already alienated all of them. Uh, Gerald Posner wrote the book Pharma recently, as well as uh, he's most known in the conspiracy community for his book saying Lee Harvey Oswald is the lone gunman of the JFK assassination. I've had him on, uh, the progressive radio host Michael Brooks, Tom Hartman, tons and tons of guests. 
So I've also had the Cherry Pie Girl on. Do you know her? Bobby Brown. Bobby Brown from the uh, video. Right. She's my cherry pie. <laughs> so I'm like really, really, really all over the place. And I cover whatever interests me. And that's what Parallax Views is all about. And hopefully listeners enjoy the show and also are challenged by it at times. I, I love that sort of adversarial relationship I have with the listeners. I've been very curious lately. I've been tracking kind of what militias have been doing and, of course, very interested in the reopen protests and the extent to which they are or could be, you know, right-wing astroturf, basically, like the new Tea Party. Um, First of all, it seems like the insane clown posse are taking this pandemic thing very seriously. No, the, the ICP is actually a, a pretty cool band. What is it that draws you in? This magic that compels you? We've been waiting six fucking Joker cards to... Yeah, you know, I mean, kind of existing, you know, they're obviously like a very legit working class response to poverty, you know, being not the ruling class, not the oligarchy, and really suffering for it, because, you know, nobody suffers like a poor person in this country i think a lot of people will diss on icp and be like well i listen to you know conscious rap like immortal technique and i i love immortal technique but the same people i know that really like immortal technique will say to me but i don't listen to that stuff like two chain and I, i'm just like you know there's like a weird classism to a lot of our musical tastes is what i'm getting at <laughs> oh oh yeah absolutely and you know kind of going back to the theme of you know us living in this failed state um insane clown posse is like and you know the juggalos really are like central casting if somebody like in the 80s were you know doing like a robocop type movie and wanted like <laughs> you know like the punks you know how it's like in the 80s they always had like the punks whenever they were in like the futuristic dystopia everybody would run around with mohawks and stuff Insane Clown Posse is like that come to life, or like the Juggalos is like that come to life. Well, their face paint is awesome because it wrecks facial recognition software. Yeah, they were really ahead of the curve on that one. And they just, you know, released a statement saying that um, they had to cancel their uh, this year's uh, gathering of the Juggalos because I think the quote is, we refuse to risk even one Juggalo life. No, I completely dig that. So... In stark contrast to um, the insane clown posse's uh, enlightened view of the pandemic, we've definitely seen... Do you, do you think that's what drives it, real quick, before we uh, switch over? Do you think that that communalism, that sense of, like, like the jugglers, they really do consider their fellow jugglers family. And I think that's why, you know, you know, we don't even want one juggalo dying of this thing. I think that's why it matters to them. Whereas most people... A lot of people in society, I should say, are very atomized, and it's like a dog-eat-dog world. Uh, The Juggalos are like the opposite of that. They're like, no, we're a community. We stick up for each other. Oh, I think that has to be part of it. Um, I think at the root of a lot of these decisions, are we going to take the pandemic seriously or not, is I I think that's really like the end of a long line of, um, you know, a long thought process that begins with like, do I trust the news? (laughs) You know, am I pissed off at the president? There's like an unspoken ideological component to everybody's um, reaction to the coronavirus. And I don't take it that 
the insane clown posse or their fault, you know, juggalos, um, they don't seem like super political to me. Like their politics are down to earth and dealing with reality. You know, it's like, it's not, they're not the kind of people who are worried about what Trump is saying. They're seeing the reality of this pandemic in a real like grassroots way. Like it's poor people and it's uh, people of color who are being taken out by this much more than like right what you know rich white people well that's i was gonna say that's why the thing i've noticed about juggalos is a lot of juggalos will be very 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 anti-fascist right but i've also heard them say yeah but we don't want to be like pandered to by left-wing groups like we don't want to be a pawn in your game uh we don't want to be used as your bludgeon to beat the other uh enemy political camp um and it, it seems like that plays into what you're saying. Before we uh, started talking today, I went for a, a drive and just kind of randomly like went up the interstate and then pulled off and was just going to see what I could see and then turn around and come back because I was sitting, you know, I was getting a little stir crazy. And I happened upon the Allegheny Country Club and um, which, you know, I guess it's in Sewickley Heights. And if anybody asked me where it was or how to get there, I would have no idea. But since I was just driving around randomly of course i came across it so i like drove into the you know it's it's a country club and you know i only knew country clubs from caddyshack i think this place is restricted wang so don't tell me you're jewish okay fine you know as you start driving like the trees disappear and there's all these like hills and then you realize it's a golf course and i i just went all the way because i was like curious and there were probably like 75, maybe 100 people out on these courses. And, um, you know, they weren't social distancing. They obviously weren't wearing masks. They had, they all had like the one golf glove on, which I don't think does anything. And I think that really, for me, just showed a difference between how this virus is affecting regular people and the people who, you know, are rich and go to country clubs. No, I think there's a lot of truth to that. What do you, what do you make of the reopen protests or I, I guess some people are calling them the liberate the economy protests. I have no clue. So I spent a good deal of time talking to some uh, militia people I know here in Pennsylvania over the last couple of days. And I started out by calling Christian Yingling, who was the founder and the former leader of the Pennsylvania Lightfoot militia. And he came to national prominence because he was like a militia leader in Charleston. And, you know, he went, you talk to him and he says he went there to make sure nobody got hurt and that, you know, everybody had a right to free speech. And, um, but you only ever see him in the news when it's like his, I have a Google alert for his name and it's like every time that there's like some kind of two way protest or, 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 right-wing rally he's always there and it's like it's just mentioned in the article like like asshole alert like you know this guy's here so it's obviously bad news but they never really talk to him and i've you know talked to him of quite a few times over the last year or so and um he's not like a far right-wing racist figure by any stretch of imagination he's doing his thing and um he's making his decisions and i don't necessarily agree with him but you know it doesn't I don't think he's like bullshitting me, but, um, I talked to him about the protests and he went to Harrisburg and, you know, he just sees it as really 
you know, an honest, an honest response to this economic crisis that we're going into as a result of the pandemic. And, you know, and that's what I think a lot of the, uh, the left and liberal media that's, that's, you know, speaking out against these, uh, these protests, which, you know, I don't agree with them. I think we should all sit tight, but people are really losing jobs. They're not getting unemployment. They're getting much less unemployment than they were promised. Um, these bailouts are giveaways to the rich. And I think this is a real response to something that's being discredited because, you know, people see the liberate people aligned with Trump and they don't like Trump. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It was loud, but peaceful, as protesters lined both sides of Grant Street and were serenaded by drivers as they passed through. What Governor Wolf is doing is not fair to us. He's not following the Constitution. Among the crowd, there was the Iron City Response Unit, who arrived in full militia garb, complete with weapons. I asked why. Why not? So were you there f- with an organization or by yourself in Harrisburg? Nope. That was the first one I went to by myself. So I had a lot of fun with it. It was kind of, it was actually kind of nice to go as a, a rally goer once instead of uh, <laughs> having to go and, 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 you know, watch over teams that provide security or whatever. This is Christian Yingling, the former head and founder of the Pennsylvania Lightfoot Militia and the current founder of the Pennsylvania Volunteer Militia. First off, you know, before we get going here, I am no longer with the Lightfoot. Um, you know, I, I have been doing this for ten over 10 years now. And, uh, you know, I, I really needed to step away for a while. And, uh, you know, I, I just figured it was time. You know what I mean? It was really time. Um, I don't have any ill will toward the guys or anything like that. You know, it was nothing like that you know what i mean mm-hmm. this new thing i got going it's uh it's really picking up a lot of steam as a matter of fact a lot faster than i thought it would you know what i mean um it's been so i've been really busy you know trying to get everything together at the ground level you know um i've got interest from across the state already you know for uh people that want to join up one of the different things that that i'm kind of really pushing with this new organization is that I'm really kind of, I'm really getting away from the, uh, the right left political paradigm. I, I don't care if, if you're a Democrat, I don't care if you're a Republican, a libertarian, you know, or, or whatever, or a little green man from Mars. It doesn't matter if, if you're willing to stand up for the constitution and, and our rights. And then, you know, you're more than welcome. What, what's the name of your group? Uh, it's going to be called the uh, Pennsylvania Volunteer Militia, named after uh, named after the first militia that uh, Ben Franklin stood up during the Spanish American War. We talked. I I spoke to um, John Wagner 
yesterday. Um, yeah, Wags. Right? Wags, yeah, I talked to Wags. And um, he was, we talked quite a bit about my concerns and I guess his concerns that um, the, you know, the liberate the states and the anti-quarantine um, uh, protests and stuff were being used or could be used by like, far-right figures, like racist figures, as a recruiting opportunity. And I'm wondering, did you see any of that when you were in Harrisburg? Or No. No, and, and I'd actually even, now that you mention it, you know, I'd even spoken to Wags about that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, because I did. I, I voiced my displeasure to him that, you know, I that I had spent, like I said, 10-plus years building this organization to... to just for reasons just like this, you know what I mean? And, and he was talking to me about alternate agendas and I said, dude, there was no alternate agendas out there. Not that I saw, you know what I mean? Um, if, if you want to, if you kind of want to, you know, spitball something like that, you know, talking hypotheticals, whatnot, the possibility of it. I mean, the possibility is, is it could be used by either side. You know what I mean? Anybody who, anybody who has the ability to manipulate a situation and portray it in a certain manner and it carries enough charisma, you know what I mean? Can convince people, you know, to believe, you know, to believe any myriad of things. Sure. You know, but the reality of the situation is, and this is why I don't get any intel off of Facebook, <laughs> is that you know, at that rally, there's a lot of upset people there. Yeah. You know, um, and rightfully so, in my opinion. Um, but the, what, what really kind of set me back there, you know, just, you know, really made me take a step back, really almost even shocked me, was how happy everybody was. Yeah. And I think that that, that was due in probably in large part to the fact that, you know, people have been cooped up for so long. You know, not only do you have your the the natural inclination of, you know, cabin fever from being in all winter. And now that it's finally starting to warm up, you know, people want to get out, you know what I mean? They want to get out, they want to do things. It's in the bad timing of, of this all, you know what I mean? So now people are being forced, you know, forced to stay in even longer. And not only are they being forced to stay in even longer, but they're being forced to, be, to stay in when a lot of them are healthy. Mm-hmm. The vast, as a matter of fact, the vast majority of them are healthy. I mean, if you crunch the numbers, you're talking about less than 1% of the population here in the state of Pennsylvania. Right. You know, that have contracted this disease. And it's it, and they're crushing the state. You know, that's what kills me. They're crushing the state. Businesses are folding up. I mean, I'm seeing it in my own hometown. Businesses are folding that have been here forever because they, they can't take that kind of hit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, these, these, these smaller businesses, these mom and pop businesses, especially like out here in the more rural areas, you know, where you don't have the so many of the big prevalent corporations, you know, of course we have, you know, the Walmarts and the targets and the, and the things of those natures, you know what I mean? But, you know, for the, for the most part out in these areas, you know, it's mostly, uh, it's mostly like small business owners, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, uh, these guys really get beat up, you know what I mean? Um, not to mention the people, you know, that are, uh, when, when you look at people who aren't even business owners, just your average family, um, a lot of these families are used to buying one meal a day. Like they may have multiple children, you know, because their kids are used to eat breakfast and lunch at school. 
Right. You know, I, I ran into an instance of that in Walmart where a woman in front of me was buying, she had three full shopping carts, Lenny, and I'm talking heaping over with groceries. She spent $800. And I was like, wow, you really get ready for this, huh? You know, just making small talk. And she said, you know, it's not that. She said, it's that I have three teenage boys and now they're stuck at home. And she said, now I have to feed them three meals a day plus myself and my husband who can't go to work. You know, it's just simple things like that. Their grocery bills are skyrocketing. You know, they can't go to work. And, you know, some people have been off for four weeks, you know, five weeks, you know, um, I, myself, I got lucky. I, I only got furloughed for two weeks before, uh, before governor Wolf came out and, and designated machine shops as, uh, essential businesses, which, you know, we absolutely are. I mean, machinists are the, the basis of society. There's nothing you touch that a machinist hasn't touched before you, you know? Um, and in our particular case, you know, we do a lot of work for the gas and oil industry. You know, we do a lot of work for, you know, the medical, the medical field. Um, so, you know, if we're not turning out these parts for, you know, the gas companies and, and whatnot, you know, people don't have heat. You know, so things of that nature, medical, like I said, medical, some of the medical stuff we make, you know what I mean? Um, so I, myself, I got kind of lucky, you know, I was only off two weeks and luckily for me, you know, I make enough money that, you know, I had a little bit of money socked away in the bank, you know, not nothing great, you know, nothing that, you know, I just breezed through this. I'm just as concerned as anybody else, you know, the, the belt got tight and the bank account drained and, but I had enough that it got me through it, you know, and now I'm starting to get back to normal because I'm back to work now. You know, but like this whole unemployment debacle, my God, they promised everybody 100% unemployment. I got 30% of my wages. It's crazy days we live in. You know, um, as far as, you know, your question, you know, do I think there are alternate agendas out there? No, I don't. I mean, I didn't see anything. What I saw was I saw Republicans and Democrats standing together, speaking in unison, you know, saying, look, we want to go back to work. You know, you're ruining our state. You know, you're crushing our lives. You know, it's not that I just I, I really kind of feel that, you know, a lot of people in higher power positions, a lot of these politicians and whatnot, you know, these guys are millionaires. You know, they can take that kind of hit. They can sit at home for a month. You know what I mean? But people like me, you know, people like you who, you know, are, are living week to week. You know what I mean? Just trying to pay the bills and, you know, doing, you know, the nine to five grind or whatever, you know, for us, that's a different story. And then like at the same time, Nancy Pelosi is worth one hundred and twenty million dollars. Whose interest is she going to be looking out for? You know, exactly. Precisely. Precisely. And, you know, one very interesting thing that I'm seeing, Lenny, is that more and more often you're seeing the left and the right coming together which is what I have been pressing for for the last 10 years. You know, I took an immense amount of heat for working with the left in Virginia, you know, but it has to happen, man. We have to come together as Americans because we are getting fleeced. We are getting robbed blind. You know, as well as I do, I mean, you seem like a smart guy. I'm sure you understand the wage inequality. Whether if you're a Republican, you can sit there and talk about capitalism, okay? And and I respect that, you know. I'm by nature a Republican, but I also understand 
where the left is coming from with the wage inequality. When 1% of this country holds 99% of the wealth, we've got a problem. You know, the state promises, promised us 100% unemployment. We didn't get that. You know, and like I told you, I got a $300 check. You know, and not only that, but, you know, with these, with all these people applying, you know, things are getting delayed. You know, some people haven't got their unemployment yet. You know, some have. You know, and then a stimulus check of, of $1,200, like I said, the longer this goes on, the less and less that's going to help. You know, and I'm not asking by any stretch of the imagination for, you know, big daddy government to come take care of me. You know what I mean? But at the same time, when I have an employer who's a multi, you know, millionaire and one week's pay wouldn't even put a dent in his bank account. You know, I, it, it's stuff like that that I can agree with the left on. You know what I mean? So that's why I'm, that's why in this new organization I'm putting together, you know, it's not going to be a right wing organization. It's not going to be a left wing organization. It's going to be a constitutional organization. It's going to be an organization that I don't care if you're left, right, or otherwise, if your rights are being trampled upon, we're going to be there to make sure that we can do anything we can to keep that from happening. In your new group, are you still in touch with like the left wing militias that we've talked about? Oh yeah, I've been. Yeah, I was just talking to. I was just talking to them uh, two days ago, it, which is funny because we we we've got some. We've hit, you know, and I knew it was going to happen eventually, you know. But uh, we've hit one of those spots where we we just kind of tried to agree to disagree, you know. Um, they they are, they kind of, at least the guys I talk to, you know what I mean. The guys that I talk to are, are they're not necessarily against the whole quarantine thing. You know what I mean? They they have elderly family or whatever. You know their reasons for supporting it are their own, and I'm and I'm not going to disrespect them for that. You know what I mean? And I'm not going to disrespect their opinion. You know their opinion is worth just as much as mine. You know um, if that's what they want to believe, and that's that's the great thing about the guys that I talk to. You know what I mean? Is we're we're both level headed. You know what I mean? Enough that we can we can agree to disagree, and and still be friends. What responsibility do do militias have to kind of police their organization? Their own ranks? Yeah, well, yeah, that, but also the larger kind of right-wing 2A movement, which, you know, because there's a lot of far-right-wing Nazi types and racists, and which, you know, which gives you guys a bad name, obviously, but also are just legitimately dangerous, but like, like how much of a role do you think that you guys, the moderate people in the movement have to play in kind of policing the fringe element? I, I think that in a, in a, now again, you're, you're touching on something that, you know, it hits really close to home for me because, you know, and this goes back to Charlottesville, mm-hmm. you know, um, when we went to Charlottesville, okay a lot of people misconstrued the fact of us going there as we were going there to protect these, these racists, these Nazis, these, you know, dickheads in their, their human trash, you know? And I was one of the very first people that, you know, literally the day after Charlottesville in, well, maybe it was like two days after, because the first day after I was an absolute mess. I mean, holy PTSD, but, uh, you know, but I was one of the first people to step out and call out the call out those guys and say, you know, look what you just did to that town. Mm-hmm. 
you know, you thought it was all funny, you know, when like Jason Kessler thought it was all funny walking into community meetings with a boom box on his shoulder, like he was a wrestler walking to the ring with music coming blasting out, you know, like he's making some sort of entrance, mm-hmm. you know, they thought it was a big game, you know, and a woman ended up dead. Yeah. So I, I think, I think the more moderate groups are on both sides, not just the right or the left, but both sides, you know, I think, I think the more moderate groups really need to take a more active role in, in stepping up and calling these people out. I just did it again with that, uh, Sydney Horton. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? This girl is a full on self-professed, you know, white supremacist. I mean, she wrote a paper about, you know, Jews being depopulated, you know, and no, I'm not going to sit back and stand for that because you're right. They do give us a bad name. You know, so I think I think we have an immense responsibility to stand up to that. And I did. And I took an amazing amount of heat for it. I mean, in the in the Patriot community, you know, I uh, I got blasted. And I mean, it was merciless, man. I mean, they really came after me. Yeah. But, you know, but it look, it, <laughs> it's not going to change what I believe. And, and, and I do. I think absolutely 100 percent. I think the militia should be the first person, to, the first people to stand up to these skinheads. Looking forward, like maybe like one or two steps into the future, as far as like the pandemic and the response and the economic crisis that's going to happen because of this. Like, what do you see happening, and what do you think your response will be? You know, I told my wife. I said, I have called every bit of this from the very beginning like from that from when the time they first announced it you know what i mean i i told my wife i said okay oh boy i said this is serious you know when it, when it really started picking up steam across europe and stuff like that and we were waiting for it to hit us here and i said to my wife i said you're gonna see a lockdown here i said they're gonna quarantine everybody i said you mark my words and sure enough it happened and i said you know what's coming next right and she's like what's that and i said Next, I said, the first two weeks are going to be fine. I said, because most people can, most people can absorb that. It's going to hurt, but they, but it's not going to kill them. I said, if it starts dragging out, you know, five, six, eight weeks, I said, people are going to take to the streets. Whammo, Harrisburg happens. You know, it happened in Michigan. It, it's happened in how many states now where people are protesting this, this quarantine. And then I told my wife, I said, you know, what's now, you know, what's coming next, you know? And she said, yeah, next you're going to come the riots. You know, what I believe is going to happen is what I, what I see happening is I think these protests are going to continue. You know, this first one, it was all happy. Like I said, I think people were just happy to be out of their houses. You know, they're happy to be amongst other people, but as these protests continue, I believe that they're going to start getting angrier and angrier, you know, because, you know, as this drags on, it's going to start hurting people more and more. And then when they show up, these rallies, we're not going to be showing up with a smile anymore. Now they're going to be showing up yelling and that's going to go on. And then, and then at the next one, someone's going to start throwing rocks, you know? And then after that, people are going to start rioting. They're going to straight start rioting. You know, they're going to start, Boston store windows are going to start taking what they need to feed their families, you know, and if, if, it, if it doesn't stop when riots start, 
God help us all, Lenny, because I think you're going to see you're going to start seeing politicians get ripped out of their houses. Hi, I'm Colonel Bo Greitz, United States Army Special Forces. I'm excited to be able to bring you a series of training videos known as Spike. Spike is an acronym. It stands for Specially Prepared Individuals for Key Events. When 911 cannot or will not, for whatever reason, respond to your distress, then this training will prepare you to take care of yourself and those that love and depend upon you, your family, your church members, your neighborhood. I look at someone like, uh, oh, Colonel Bo Gritz, and I'm like, Bo Gritz, he was like the poster boy of the militias for like the longest time. I think he's still alive, too. I think he still has like some weird Christian identity style yeah, commune. Like in, in Idaho or something. Yeah, like, well, people like Gritz, I think are like very covertly racist and actually deal with, you know, straight up Christian identity, white supremacist types. But I, I don't th I think the militias are much more complex in a lot of ways than people realize. A lot of it to me is just people that want their guns. <laughs> All right. So this is an important point. Um the the militia movement, the right wing movement, the Second Amendment or two A movement, are not this monolith, and I think that um, I think where I have the problem with them is that I don't agree with what they do necessarily, and I think that what they do do comes from like a misunderstanding of of history and things like gun rights and the constitution. Um, but that's just a disagreement. I can't hate somebody because we have, we disagree on that, but Do you feel that way about the sort of left-wing side of things too, like John Brown gun club and, um, stuff like the socialist rifle association. I'm, I'm just curious yeah, how you feel you, about their, you know, view on gun I rights. haven't done enough looking into that. Like my very shallow kind of, no, I'll just say I haven't done enough, of that looking into that i mean the fact of the matter is some people need guns <laughs> and, and and the fact of the matter is you know the left-wing militias took a look at the reality of the situation and decided the best way to protect their rights is to arm themselves um time will tell if that's a if that's a wise decision or not there's a reason that i don't have guns and I don't go to militia meetings. No, I, I, no, I get where you're coming from on that. But I always – I've known – so for instance, I've known left-wing militia types who are trans, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I get where they're coming from because if you live in certain parts of Florida or even certain parts of Pennsylvania, right, mm -hmm. it can be very, very bad to be trans. And what I mean by bad is people will harass you. You will and die. You, yeah, you are in danger. Right. Essentially, and I, I get why there are very militant trans people in some of these militias who are like, I, I need a gun mm -hmm. because I'm not going to put up with this. Now, I think if they actually did something in self-defense, they wouldn't get treated like George Zimmerman. Right, right. So I, I don't know how to feel about all of that, but I empathize with where they're coming from. I understand self-defense and I understand the disparity of power 
and the state monopoly on violence. Where where I get tripped up is when I see a right wing militia and it's like forty guys who have all been active duty, you know, in in war zones, you know, in the Middle East or whatever, um, that are all like six foot four and muscular and train every you know every other weekend or whatever and then i see a bunch of like people who are basically my peers who are like five foot four weigh 125 pounds you know like what if we get to the point where it becomes like violence in the streets like antifa versus oath keepers or something i mean i just talked to a guy that owns like four or five military vehicles you know oh my god yeah so i mean it's like point i'm making is that um I think the left loses if we take on armed militia groups at their, you know, at, you know, if we let them set the rules of the engagement. Um, but I think, I think there's probably truth to that, by the way. Yeah. And, and, and I want to even get away from that because that's not really what we're talking about when we talk about the two, you know, the Pennsylvania militias um, I've been in contact with. Um, militias everywhere are different, you know, militia of Montana, you know, or like, you know, the left half of the country seems to be a lot more dangerous and, you know, ultra right wing. The, you know, the, this part of the country, it seems to be like a lot less of that. Like, it's funny you mention that because I always tell people, isn't it interesting that some of the biggest neo-Nazi movements over the years, it it wasn't necessarily coming from Pennsylvania or like a Florida or a, a really conservative state. A lot of times it was coming from places like California. That's where a lot of the skinhead stuff came from. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even like like Portland, um, the hotbed of Antifa versus alt-right. Yeah. yeah, it's like every week at this point they're fighting. <laughs> yeah. Well, probably not now because of the pandemic. But... Right, right. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's – but that's not what we're talking about here. And I think the point I've been trying to make, even though I haven't been able to do it very well, is that the right-wing militias have to kind of like – confront the fact that they are part of the larger right-wing continuum, which includes the far right and includes racists. And Well, it, it includes stuff like I mentioned Bo Gritz and mm-hmm. his sort of uh, play in footsie right. with Christian identity. I mean, yeah, that stuff does have to be confronted. Yeah, and then like, so to the extent that the guys I'm talking to are confronting that, um, and they are, you know, they're aware of it and they're confronting that. I definitely think that needs to be um, applauded. So we'll see where where they go with all this. Um, it'll be pretty interesting. Over the weekend, Pennsylvania came undone. I noticed the militia rolled up in large numbers to let the authorities there know that, look, we about had all we're going to take from you elected officials who want to keep your boot on the back of our necks. Yeah, so I think that the idea that uh, Governor Tom Wolf or Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman has their boots on somebody's neck is a little far-fetched. But that's just me. Uh, next, we're going to hear from Wags, a.k.a. John Wagner, the current executive officer of the Pennsylvania Lightfoot Militia. 
he was not at the anti-quarantine rally in Pittsburgh, and I think his reasoning is pretty interesting. So let's hear from him. All right, so we're recording. And um, just before we start, could you give me your um, your name and where you're located? My name is John. I am located in a small town, mountain town, in uh, northeast Cambridge County. Could I get your last name? Wagner is my last name. Wagner, oh. Hence, Wags. It's actually it was actually my nickname in the military. All right, cool. Um, what branch were you in? I've served in both the Navy and the Army. So, oh, all right, and I've um, a lot of different. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do you do for a living? I work in the transportation industry. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to leave it at that, if you don't mind. And are you the spokesperson for the? I am the currently the executive officer. And um, when did that? Um, I took over probably as EXO, probably around uh, December, January time frame. How's work right now with the pandemic and the lockdowns and everything? Uh, it's holding steady um, for me and uh, my coworkers. It's holding steady. It's It'll pick up. It'll drop off. It'll pick up and drop off. It, it, it does. It does. Um, you know the uh, the political climate of the of the country has a lot to do with how much I'm working or how light I'm working. The stock market we watch that very closely um, to kind of see what we're going to be getting into and what we're not going to be getting into. It's it's, it's kind of a rough industry to track. And it, and my father used to always say the industry is either feast or famine, and he's absolutely correct. Speaking of the political climate, I'm curious what. What's going on with the militia in light of the fact that with all these lockdowns and things? Well, some some people have taken it to the point of uh, disobedience, which um, I personally, myself, and um, the current CEO had very, very many hour, uh, very many hours of conversation on this, as long as well as some of the other CEOs of different units. And um, with the lockdown, even though. It's it's kind of a gray area because it's a, it really wasn't an order and it really wasn't a law. It really wasn't this. It really wasn't that. And then you have to look at the best interest of what the public, you know, the public interest. And, um, you know, if like if our guys, uh, most of our folks, they go out uh, unless they have a medical condition uh, that prevents masks. They, they're usually covering their face. Me personally, I've been wearing um, my shemong. If I have to stop on the way to work somewhere to pick something up. I just wrap it around my face real quick, go and get what I need and get the heck out. You know, um, we're not out running into Walmart and staying at Walmart all day or, you know, doing the stuff that we did before this. We're, we're kind of taking this seriously because a lot of us have a, uh, a bunch of different views on how this happened, what happened, and we've decided to take a course to protect us as well as the public um, to help curb the, uh, the, the, the spread of this because – you know, you hear people say, oh, it's made up, oh, it's this, oh, it's that, oh, it's this. They're joking about it. Um, you know, I, I, a lot of us see in a different view that it, it is a real thing. I've got uh, friends of mine that were, you know, were doctors in the Army, and, you know, they got out, and now they're back in private practice. I've got one friend of mine that is in New York right now, and he's constantly posting stuff. You know, New York is a hotbed uh, for this COVID. Um, so he's up there, and I'm constantly watching him and keeping an eye on him. And it's... It, it, it's it's a fine line we do walk. It, which way do you go with it? And you have to look and make the best projection you can make, taking all the information you can take in and make the best possible decision on what you have. 
and that, you know, to protect yourself is, is the primary thing. That's why we weren't out in the limelight. You know, we weren't out, you know, in, in the whole heads up of it because we knew it was going to be a total cluster. Um, it was going to be a mess. And we knew that we saw that. So that's why we stayed, we steer clear of all that. And I really didn't want our people out there because we have families that we have to tend after as well. And I didn't want somebody going to a rally personally myself. I don't want to see somebody going to a rally, going to the rally, and then coming home. The next thing you know, the whole dog on family's down, and it's my fault. I can't have that on my back. You know, I care. Um, you know, and, and uh, like I said, I, I've been I've been putting out fires and arguing with people all week over this. You know, just because we didn't show up towards one rally, or I didn't show to a rally, or our people didn't want to go. You know, don't tell me that I'm wrong because we took protective measures for our family. Some of the some of the groups are are you know head on. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And then you got groups like us that hey, we're going to hold tight and see what's going on because you don't want to act first. You want to think and then act. And some folks aren't thinking and acting. They're just acting. You know, Pittsburgh. The guys in Pittsburgh they acted. They didn't think before they went. They just acted. Uh, some folks in Harrisburg acted. I know I saw a photo from the Harrisburg rally of a militia in the back of a deuce and a half heavily armed. It's really not the way to go, you know, not, a, you know, not something like that. And, and now how cool that is. Okay. Deuce and a half are cool. Uh, I mean, I own one, but uh, I own several military vehicles because I'm a collector, but you know, your, your common sense rules, you know, <laughs> common sense rules in a situation like this. And a lot of them aren't using that common sense. Do you think that this protest movement that's growing up around um, the, quarantine and defying the quarantine do you think that's grassroots or is there money coming from like political organizations that are trying to use this as a political tool i i would say i'm going to go with the political end of it just myself mm -hmm. um because you know politics generates money money generates politics you know speaking kind of uh about oh uh, my my headphones popped out and I couldn't hear myself for a second. <laughs> it was really confusing. Um, you know, kind of conversely, and I won't keep you on the phone for too long, much longer. Oh, you're fine. Um, you're fine. The only thing we're going to do, the only thing I was going to do today was pull my Jeep out and fire it up and let it run for a little bit. Okay. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I'm wondering, you know, I've, I've attended quite a few of these uh, two-way uh, protests here in Pittsburgh and, um, there's always a contingent that comes out that's like the far right, like racist or fascist, you know, part of the two A movement. To be honest with you, when we come across something like that, but we feel that there's an in inclination of that, we re we recuse ourselves from it immediately. We walk away from it. I will not have that uh, within the PA Lightfoot. I refuse to let that occur within the PA Lightfoot, um, simply because it's uh, it's unexcusable, but. It, do I do I see uh, do I see groups out there that could be racist? Absolutely, uh, Proud Boys is one. Um, in my eyes, the Proud Boys—they say they take this, they take that, they take this, they take that. But in all honesty, if you look at them recently, since they had a shift in their change in their chain of command, they've turned to the alt right. Um, and when those guys show up at a rally, I I'm watching those guys like hawks because I'm messianic Jew. And, you know, I, the, the pastor I normally follow is within the, um, uh, he's within the, uh, the Second Amendment community. 
And, you know, I'm not going to sit there and take that crap from anybody. Have you guys, like, had people join that turned out to be, like, alt-right or racist that you had to let go? Or how did you handle that? Well, we screen screen our people very, very closely. When somebody applies to us, we screen them very closely. The first thing we do, one of the things we do is, is not only do we pull a criminal background check on them, to see what they're like. We sit down, we have a long conversation with them to feel them out. And then we also look at their social media. Social media will tell you a lot about a person and, and how they feel. And, you know, if I, if, you know, we look at a social media, um, we ask questions of other groups uh, that, you know, say, Hey, you know, we see, we've got somebody, um, we'll look at their friends list. Okay. Well, we know this person. So, you know, we have, we're a mutual friend with this person. So we pick up the phone and we call them and we talk to them. And if, you know, if we're catching anything bad that we don't like, we don't take them. Um, I haven't had an occurrence. I've had uh, felons try to apply. But, you know, your background check, you, you know, it'll clean that right out. You know, um, one thing I do is I pop them for, I pull them for their uh, license to carry firearm permit. If they can't produce that, then that tells me either A, they never went and got it, or B, they can't get it. And if you have a felony on your record, it, you know, you're not going to be able to obtain uh, a firearms license, you know. So there's several ways to go around looking for that kind of stuff. But if we find them, like I said, we find them and they put in, um, we get rid of them immediately or we just gap them off because uh, we won't deal with it. Where is your uh, PA Lightfoot militia? Where is it headquartered or what's your jurisdiction? We are, we are all over the state just as before when Christian ran everything. Um, uh, we really didn't change much. We're all over the state. Um, we don't have one central headquarters. We move wherever we need to. Um, all the different, uh, command elements talk within themselves. So if I need to talk with, say the commander of, let's just say Berks County, I pick up a phone and call him. There, there's really no one central office anymore. It's all over. So where Christian would have told you that that was, centralized where he lived at we we've taken that we've 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 expanded that to the point that there really is no centralized office that we can shift and flux as needed we've made it more user i don't want to say user friendly but that's the term i'm going to use for whatever we need to do how many members do you have boy i to be honest with you i actually don't know that number (laughs) uh as far as the leadership goes um we don't pull numbers until we really really need to um, I, you know, if, if I've got a, if I've been called, like, say we get contacted, like we got the, there's a second amendment rally coming up here in Harrisburg, uh, in a month. And if they call us and say, Hey, you know, we need this many people. Can you support it? Okay. Well, let me get back to you on that and then see what I can round up. And I can offer you this many to assist. This is how many have volunteered. And that's all they get. Uh, I, we don't give out straight up hundred percent numbers on all honesty. I, I won't do that. <laughs> do, do, do you, you know, can you give me like just a vague idea, like 10, a hundred, you know, a thousand? Oh, like... I, I can tell you this much. There's more than 10. Okay. There's, there's definitely a good size number out there. Um, you know, <laughs> well, it's Friday night and he's pulling them over left and Sort of looks like Darth Vader with his gun and his radar and his flashing blue light. He 
drives a government squad car full of all kinds of hardware to handle the angry mob. And with his badge on his shoulder and his gun in his holster, he'll tell you he's just doing his job. Watch out for martial law. When he's out there watching after you, if he's a tool of the bankster, he's a badge-wearing gangster, an agent straight from Interpool. Watch out for martial law. He's there to prove who owns a muscle and might, and he just might pull you over to the side of the shoulder 'cause he cannot see your license plate light. Because he cannot see your license plate. Michigan Democratic Governor Gretchen Whitmer has extended a state of emergency declaration until May 28th over the objections of Republican state lawmakers. On Thursday, hundreds of protesters defying social distancing rules, many of them armed with assault rifles and wearing tactical gear, descended on Michigan's state capitol in Lansing, demanding a lifting of remain-at-home orders. The crowd, packed into the capitol rotunda, tried to storm onto the floor of the legislative chamber. Lawmaker Dana Pahank tweeted a photo of armed men looking down from the gallery. She wrote, directly above me, men with rifles yelling at us, some of my colleagues who own bulletproof vests are wearing them. We have a right. Let us in. It seems appropriate to mention here, before I sign off, a recent story in the Washington Post. Uh, the headline was, The anti-quarantine protests seem spontaneous, but behind the scenes a powerful network is helping. The article outlines the uh, fake grassroots efforts, or astroturfing, of prominent uh, Republicans, including the Mercer family, whose Convention of States organization is pushing these reopen rallies, giving the impression that there is more support for the movement than is actually the case. The article quotes Eric O'Keefe, um, board president of Citizens for Self-Governance, which is the parent organization of Convention of States. Uh, we're providing a digital platform for people to plan and communicate about what they're doing, he says, which so sounds harmless. But I think we all know that when powerful people with money you know, create platforms, it isn't out of the goodness of their hearts. Um, another quote worth reading in full The group's president, Mark Meckler, said his aim was to act as a clearinghouse where these guys can all find each other. FreedomWorks, a libertarian advocacy group also active in the Tea Party movement, is seeking to play a similar function, creating an online calendar of protests. I guess the point I'm trying to get here is that the uh, Second Amendment movement and the liberate or reopen the states movements are joined at the hip which is obvious if you've even looked at any footage of, of what's happening. Um, and it really, it almost doesn't make sense that these two groups would be unless the real goal of the reopen movement is to whip up, you know, the political base of a certain president. 
Thanks for listening to the Failed State Update. This is the first episode, um, but there will be many more. If you want to uh, follow me on Twitter, uh, just search for Lenny Flatley. If you want more info about the podcast, about me, my books, my stories, my articles, or you want to reach out, go to my website, LennyFlatley.net. Watch out for martial law. He's there to prove who owns a muscle and might. And he just might pull you over to the side of the shoulder because he cannot see your license plate light. Because he cannot see your license plate light. Ain't it a frightening feeling when you're behind the wheel?